Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the bread of life. Let us seek him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. Psalm 68 verse 19 says, Blessed be God who daily loads us with benefits. Let's use this translation to first address the notion that Christians shouldn't say that God has blessed them. Specifically, we're told that American Christians steeped in health and affluence shouldn't say these things. We're told that such statements are shallow, that they are insensitive to those less fortunate than ourselves. In our last broadcast, we noted that the problem with such wisdom is that it isn't wisdom and it isn't accurate. Even our glittering, trivial wealth is a blessing from God. But it comes with a responsibility. We'll consider this some more, and then after considering it, we'll look at a different translation to the same verse, which may be more accurate to the immediate text. There it would read, Blessed be God who daily bears our burdens. And that too is another blessing. And so there is a unique boast that belongs to the child of God alone that we are blessed. When I was a young man, I had cousins who weren't walking with the Lord whatsoever. They didn't have any kind of influence in Christian things whatsoever. And we would read their letters and we would hear their phrases. And they were the language of people who did not know God nor trace the things of God in their lives. Then our cousins started coming to Christ. Out of this entirely secular and worldly environment, and the first thing we noticed was their language began to change. They began to say things like, God is blessing us, or we're blessed, or we're so thankful. And the very language was an expression of a recognition that over all the things that you might experience, God was the one tending to it and providing for us out of His own storehouse, His provisions, sometimes just according to need, sometimes in an overabundance, but it was all of God. Now, God holds this supreme blessing as the God who owns all things. He used to sing as kids, He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mind. The God who holds all these things holds them in trust for us. And one day we shall reign inheriting all of the wealth of all of His divine possessions. But they're in trust now. So sometimes, sometimes, all the time, you don't get all of it. He holds it back, right? But it's there for us. It's ours. And so we should learn to review all that we've received. Yes, silly as it is, even those matching shoes. And say, God has blessed me. God has enriched me. Now that's a serious thing, though. The more you recognize that God has blessed you, the more you see that He has poured out upon of abundance in you, even in material blessings and even in physical health, you need to recognize that along with it comes a provision from God that says to whom much has been given, much is required. And that we have been blessed to be a blessing. And we have been blessed in order to bless. But Let's not forget, we have been blessed. 
And by the way, this idea that individuals growing up in the wealth of North America should not say that they've been blessed would be scoffed at by anybody in any other place. They know it's a blessing, whether we know it or not. It's just a lack of faithfulness and a lack of faith to not acknowledge it. Don't say you've been lucky. You've been blessed. I want to read you something from Joseph Hall, and this I'm kind of adjust this a little bit. This was a, a divine that wrote in the late 1600s, in which he asked us for a moment to think of the way in which God daily loads us with blessings, and to see how God loads us with such blessings in such a way that are common to all men, but that when we encounter the Lord Jesus Christ, He takes these common blessings and He presents them to us in a deeper dye, in a deeper, fuller meaning than we would have ever known before. Let's just look to the way in which he recounts just a beginning, a brief survey of adding up. We talked about the math of counting your blessings, of the blessings God has given us. He writes, God has given us a world to live in, air to breathe, and earth to provide the resources of life, fire to warm us, water to cool and cleanse us, clothes to cover us, food to nourish us, sleep to refresh us, houses to shelter us, a variety of things which work to serve and delight us. If this were not enough, he says, let us progress on. A civil world to live in with some sibilance of governance and order. A genetic inheritance that gives shape to our character and our carriage. The dearness of friends. Degrees of respect and honor from others. Honest work and dignity to be found in it, success in employments, domestic comforts, outward peace, protections from dangers, rescue from harm, wholeness of body, keenness of senses, natural strength, stability of health, a good appetite, and a better digestion, seasons of the year and seasons of life. Times in which we have freedoms from care. But this is not all. With this, add the power and exercise of our mental and emotional faculties, the enrichment of wisdom and art and learning. But these are common to all. And these common blessings, he would tell us, flame to deepest blessedness for the child of God alone, because they realize that these blessings come from the hand of a Savior who has provided and provided, given us the ground to receive these blessings which are deeper and bring them to a depth of significance that we could never know apart but from what more He gives to us, which is salvation. It is this, that this Savior has blessed us with His everlasting love, freshly molding us into His image, granting us new life through His Spirit, feeding us by that Spirit through His Word and the sacraments, clothing us in Christ with His own merits and righteousness, bringing us from slavery to Himself by His own blood. Once vile sinners, we now have become His glorious bride. Once cursed, we are now subjects of His blessings. And His blessedness is our blessedness. Once bankrupt, 
He has given us and daily gives us Himself. He daily loads us with benefits. Paul calls this the boundless, topless, bottomless load of divine benefits whose immensity reaches from the center of this earth to the unlimited extents of the highest heavens. That's what you can expect when Christ is enthroned to reign in your life as king. Now here's the next thing we read here. The translation might read, could read, He daily carries or loads Himself with our burdens. Now this is what the linguist tells us now is the primary reading of the text. And so we'll enter there for a second and think about this. This means that when Christ ascended, after having done this great work of dying for our sins upon the cross and carrying our sins away into the tomb and rising victorious in His righteousness and ascending now into heaven to reign again, that He has not ascended into retirement. That Christ has not ascended in order to separate Himself from us and from our hardships. No, even though He's ascended, He still shares in our agonies. He still meets us in the challenges of life still. And whatever comes against us, comes against Him. And whatever weights we think we bear, He bears up. And so we have the story after this ascension of Saul giving himself to persecute the church, going about and with papers with the right to imprison him, giving his consent and signing his name on documents that would sign them away and consign them to death, taking them by force and compelling them to blaspheme and deny the name of Christ. On one of these occasions when Saul is making himself to Damascus with soldiers in order to arrest those who are worshiping Christ there, a flash of light comes upon him and he's driven to the ground and a voice speaks to him and it's the voice of the Lord Jesus and the voice says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And there it is. That's all that needs to be said. Christ bears our burdens and makes them his own still. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 tells us in light of this that we're to cast all our cares upon Him knowing that He cares for us. Christ is already carrying your burden. He is already in control. You realize this? This means that when I face a difficulty or a challenge that I'm not called to give God my difficulty or my challenge or my burden because He's already got it. He's already carrying it. I don't give God my burden. What I give God is my cares about my burden. He doesn't say, cast your burdens on me, because He has those already. He says, cast your cares on me. You cast your anxiety, you cast your worry, you cast your concern on me, because I've already got the burden. I'm in control. I'm bearing this load. You trust in me. You rest in me. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 4, God has given us this promise already. It says this, Even to your old age I am He, and to gray hairs I will carry you. I have made, and I will bear, I will carry, I will save, I will deliver. <laughs> what a wonderful promise. What this tells me is that although He is enthroned in my life, this does not mean 
for now the end of all hardships, the end of all distresses, the end of all suffering. It only means that all these hardships and distresses and sufferings are held in His hands. And that He's sufficient for me in them. That He cares and He carries not only them, but me. That His exaltation into heaven has not ended His sublime, deep condescension to reach down beneath me and carry me still. In fact, daily, He loads Himself up with my burdens and carries them. What a life of trust and what a comfort and oh, how to store that truth. Store that truth in your heart. You know, you'll need to pull it out quite regularly, right? Let's look at the last thing it says here. He brings us escapes from death. He brings to us escapes from death. In fact, the very name God is the God of salvation means God is the God of deliverances. That's actually what it says. He brings to us the escapes from death. Now, we could think of examples of this. Although it hasn't happened yet in the chronology of the psalm, not long ahead here, Daniel will rise up and say, It's true. <laughs> I survived the lion's den, and I know he brings escapes from death. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would say, It's true. We, we said to the king that our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, and he did. He brings escapes from death. They could say it's true. You've been listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, God bless you.